It's always such an incredible blessing to be here at Refuge. We've, uh, through the years, come to know and love so many of you. And it's always a delight to be here because we love your pastor, um, Pastor Rawl and his wife, Bettina, so much. How many love Pastor Rawl and Bettina? Uh, we should give them a big hand. They're probably watching. Knowing, knowing that, they're probably watching. Um, you know, there are a lot of churches in America... Uh, there are a lot of churches here in Southern California, uh, a lot of really big churches, a lot of well-known pastors, uh, but I know of no other pastor uh, who so loves his people, who is such a gracious and wonderful man as your pastor. Uh, I've come to, re- to admire and respect him so much. Um, you just need to know how much he wishes he could be here this morning. Uh, I got a text from him early this morning just uh, letting me know about uh, Dee's going to heaven and how much he wishes he could be here with all of you this morning. That's the heart of a shepherd. Uh, his heart is here with, with all of you. And as Stephen mentioned, you know, Dee's going to heaven was unexpected to us, but not to God. <laughs> The Bible says, all the days, David says in Psalm 139, all the days ordained for me were written in your book, when as yet not even one of them came to be. Before Dee was born, God knew exactly the day she would be born and actually the moment she would go to heaven to be with him. And uh, though it's hard for us to be separated um, by death from those that we love, we know God has a plan and a purpose in it, and we know she is with the Lord. And uh, how many know soon we're going to go see not only Jesus, we'll see her again? Huh? Is that a pretty cool thing? Yeah, we could applaud for that, I think, for sure. Yeah, when I got the text this morning, I just, uh, you know, Pastor, uh, where we are over at Calvary Chapel Golden Springs, Royal Reese, his mother died two weeks ago this morning. And, uh, you know, right before that, Billy Graham died. And I just, I looked at my phone this morning and I got the text from your pastor. And I'm like, wow, heaven's getting richer. <laughs> it's just like, it's, you know, we want to go there more and more all the time, you know. Uh, we're getting closer and closer and closer to that time. And how many long for heaven? How many long for heaven? We, we long for heaven. But um, in the meantime, the Lord has us here on earth because he has a plan and a purpose uh, for every one of our lives. And he has a plan and a purpose for Refuge Bible Fellowship. Uh, just listening to the announcements this morning, you know, there are so many, for a church this size, you guys have so many things going on. I mean, this is, turn to somebody right now and say, this is a pretty cool church. Okay, would you do that? Just say, this is a pretty cool church. I mean, this is amazing, all the things that are going on. Well, uh, how many brought a Bible this morning? Let me just see all the Bibles here. Okay. I know I'm in the right place because this is Refuge Bible Fellowship. Right at the heart of your name is the Bible. Uh, Open it in your Bible, if you will, to Psalm 107. As I was praying about what the Lord would have us to study together this morning, he, He so strongly put on my heart that we're to study through Psalm 107 this morning, a message I believe is going to be very important for so many of us And the title of the message today is God Answers Prayer. God Answers Prayer. And the chapter of the Bible we're going to study is Psalm 107. And as we often do when coming to study the Bible, let's bow our hearts in prayer. And as we pray together, if you'll do me a huge favor, I would really appreciate it. If you'll just hold your open Bible out in front of you. That's a good thing for Refuge Bible Fellowship to do is to hold that open Bible in front of you. And let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this book. We cannot even find the words in all the languages of the world put together to thank you enough for the Bible. Lord, this book so many times, when we have opened it, it's had just the answer that we needed when we were so confused and didn't know where to go. We opened the Bible and there was the answer when we were in desperate need and didn't know where to find help. We opened the Bible and there was the answer 
when we were grieving and hurting, we opened the Bible and there was the answer. We thank you, Lord, for this book. We, we hold it in our hands, so precious. What a treasure, a treasure beyond treasures. For this book, Lord, is the greatest book in the world. It is the greatest book in all of human history. No other book is like this book for this book and only this book is the word of the living God. And we pray, Lord, as we study this book today that you would do what you are so faithful to do and that is open our minds and our hearts to your truth. By your spirit, Lord, come and make the book live and may it impact us, Lord, for time and for eternity. We'll thank and praise you for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. amen. It happened when I was only 16 years old, but it's a moment that I will never forget as long as I live. The moment that I speak to you about happened shortly after I, as a 16-year-old boy, received the prized possession of every 16-year-old boy, and that is a driver's license. And I remember so enjoying just driving here, there, and everywhere. And I grew up in the state of Oregon, and one Saturday night, my cousin called me, and he said, uh, tomorrow morning is Sunday, and I'm going to drive about 150 miles away to hear our uncle preach. I grew up in Eugene, Oregon, and my uncle was a pastor in Hood River, Oregon, along the Columbia River, and my cousin said, I'm going to drive up and hear Uncle Willie preach. Do you want to go with me? And I said, that would be great. And so I remember very early on a cold Oregon morning, standing out front of my house, waiting for my cousin to pull up, and he pulled up in his car, and when I walked up to the car, um, he asked me, would you like to drive? Well, asking a 16-year-old who just got his driver's license whether he wanted to drive or not is like asking my wife, do you want chocolate? <laughs> of course. <laughs> and so I remember getting behind the wheel of his car, buckling my seatbelt, and off we went. We were having such a great time on that cold Oregon morning. We had driven about 150 miles. We were just south of Portland, and uh, I was on the inside lane of four lanes of traffic, and we just went underneath an overpass, when suddenly and without warning, we hit a patch of black ice. The nose of the car slammed into the center concrete divider, spinning the car around there it was, skidding backwards, and I, as a 16-year-old who had only been driving for a few weeks, was looking into four lanes of oncoming traffic. It was the most traumatic moment of my life to that point. And I remember in that moment, you don't have time to really even think. And all of a sudden, it just came out of me. There I was looking into that oncoming traffic and I just cried out, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. And all of a sudden, that car spun around, moved to the side of the freeway, slowed down, and stopped. And I assure you, it wasn't because I was such a good driver. It was a miracle. And God had answered my prayer. And I learned as a 16-year-old boy that day what I have seen happen so many times in my life. I learned that God answers prayer. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. But no matter who you are and no matter where you are and no matter what's going on in your life, that God's help is only a prayer away. God answers prayer, and this is why Jesus taught us that we ought to pray always and not faint. We ought to pray and pray and pray and keep on praying and not stop praying. But I don't know about you. Sometimes I find in my life that 
I pray about something and because I don't see the answer right away, I lose heart and I stop praying. This is why Psalm 107 is so important in the Bible because it is a psalm about how God answers prayer. It's a psalm that encourages God's people to pray and to keep on praying, to pray and not lose heart, to pray because God answers prayer, to pray because God's help is only a prayer away. This beautiful psalm is so important that it was the beginning of the very last section of the psalms. The psalms are divided into five books and when God's people organized the psalms together in the last and final volume, book five, they wanted Psalm 107 to be that first psalm they would read. And it is believed that Psalm 107 is written after they have been released from their 70 years of captivity to the Babylonians. At the very end of the Old Testament era, when they have been released from their captivity and they've been allowed to go back to the promised land and they have rebuilt their temple and as they're there in the temple worshiping and praising and honoring God, God inspired someone, probably Ezra, they think, to write this psalm and it's a psalm that helps them to look back across the whole of the Old Testament and to call to mind how they serve a God who hears and answers prayer. It's a psalm about how God answers prayer. And four times in this psalm, you find a repeated phrase, a repeated refrain. And here's what it says, Then... They cried out to the Lord in their distress. And he heard their cry and delivered them from their trouble. Four times you find that phrase. Look in Psalm 107 for a moment. So you can see these four times. In verse 6, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. Down to verse 13. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them or delivered them out of their distresses. Verse 19, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them or delivered them out of their distresses. Down to verse 28, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them or he brought them out of their distresses. Four times you find this phrase. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And God heard and answered their prayer. And as we're going to see in this beautiful psalm, it shows how God answered their prayer in four different places, in four different circumstances, in four different situations. It's as if in this psalm, you're transported all of a sudden out into the middle of a desert. There you find in the desert, there are a group of people that are fainting travelers and they're, they're in desperate need of food and water. They cry out to the Lord and he hears them and provides what it is they need. And then all of a sudden you're transported from that desert into a dungeon and there you find some people in this dark place. They're bound and they need to be set free and forgiven. And they cry out to the Lord in the darkness of that dungeon. And he hears their cry and answers their prayer. Then all of a sudden, you're transported from the dungeon into a hospital. And there you find some people that are so sick, they're about ready to die. And they cry out to the Lord. And the Lord hears their cry and heals them and raises them up. And then all of a sudden you're transported from the hospital out into the middle of the ocean. And there you find a group of sailors in the worst storm of their life. In the middle of the storm, they cry out to the Lord and the Lord hears them. He answers their prayer and he rescues them. And it shows how over and over and over in different places, in different times and in different situations, God is a God who answers prayer. This beautiful psalm begins 
with an introduction. It's in verses 1 to 3. Notice how the psalm begins, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. How many know God is good all the time? And all the time, God is good. No matter what's happening in your life, God is still good. He works all things together for good to those who love Him. The Lord give thanks to the Lord because he is good. And he's not only gooder than good today, he will always be gooder than good. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. For his mercy, his mercy endures forever. In other words, when you cry out to the Lord, he's going to save and rescue you not only today, but tomorrow and next week and next month and next year and forever and ever and ever. And because of that, verse 2 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy how he's get, and gathered out of the lands from the east and the west and the north and the south. Verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. In the Bible, there are many times the word redeemed has to do with a person who was in slavery and they were bought out of that slavery by someone and set free. And that is a beautiful picture of the word redeem. But it doesn't always mean that. The Hebrew word ga'al here means literally the rescued, the saved, the delivered. Let those whom God has rescued and saved and delivered... Let those to whom God has answered their prayer, let them say so. I like that. Not just let them think so. (laughs) Not just let them feel so. But let them say so. How important it is when God hears and answers our prayer to let other people know about that. When I was... um, Very young and growing up in church, the little church that I was a part of on our Sunday night services, they would sometimes have as a part of worship what they called testimony time. Don't know some of you old timers have been in a church like that where they had testimony time. And what would happen is the pastor or the worship leader, they would say, okay, we're going to have testimony time. And, And if you have a testimony tonight, then just raise your hand, stand to your feet, and you give your testimony. And brother so-and-so, he would stand up and say, you know, I didn't have a job. I was out of a job, and I, I was praying and praying, and I just want all of you to know God provided a job for me. And everybody, whoa, this is awesome, God answered prayer. And then sister so-and-so, she would stand up and say, you know what? I got a son that's been a prodigal. And he's been out in the world for a long time. I just want all of you to know, he came back. And God answered prayer. And everybody, oh, this is awesome. And it would go from person to person to person to person. Testimony time. Oh, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Because no matter if you're from the north or the south or the east or the west, listen, God is a God who hears and answers Prayer and so verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he's redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Redeemed from what? Redeemed from where? Redeemed from what circumstance? Redeemed from what situation? Well, all of a sudden, here you are in the psalm, and you're transported in verse 4 to 9 out into the middle of a desert. And there you find these fainting travelers. And they're in desperate need. For God to provide for them. And he hears and answers their prayer. Look at verse 4 to 9. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. What do you do when you're in desperate need of provision? Well, verse 6, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them out of their distresses and he led them forth by the right way that they may go to a city for a dwelling place. 
Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Why? For he satisfies the longing soul and he fills the hungry soul with goodness. What do you do when you're in desperate need of provision? Oh, you cry out to the Lord because he's a God who hears and answers prayer. Now, the Old Testament saints, when they read that part of the song, they couldn't help but think of their ancestors out in the middle of the desert, out in the middle of the wilderness, some three million people. Listen, newsflash, it takes a lot of food and water for three million people. <laughs> and here they were without any provision at all. And what to do? You look to the Lord because he can bring water out of the rock. He can bring bread down from heaven. And they knew that when they needed God's help, he would hear and answer their prayer. The New Testament believers, when they read this portion of the psalm, they couldn't help but think of Jesus feeding the 5,000 men. It says 5,000 men. With women and children, 20,000 people. Newsflash. It takes a lot of food to feed 20,000 people. And what happened? They brought the little they had to Jesus, and he multiplied it and fed all of those people. And here's the thing. If God could provide for Israel, and, God, and Jesus could provide for those people, those 20,000 people, listen, then God can provide for you and me. Now, Philippians 4 and verse 19, the Bible says, My God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. By Christ Jesus. David said in Psalm 37 verse 25, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Never. I've never seen their seed begging for bread. Time and time again when God's people have needed provision, all they needed to do is cry out to God and they found out that his, his help was only a prayer way. That God is a God who hears and answers the prayer of his people who need provision. No more wonderful illustration can be found of that than a great man of God in church history. His name was George Mueller. George Mueller in the 1800s lived in London and he founded many orphanages and he took in thousands and thousands of children. And George Mueller was a man of faith. He never asked for money. He never asked for anything. He would just always go to God in prayer. And his whole life was a testimony of how God would answer prayer for provision. I love a book that he wrote. His biography, the title of the biography says it all. It's a great book called A Million and a Half Answers to Prayer. A Million and a Half Answers to Prayer. And in that book, he tells the wonderful story of what happened one morning in the orphanage there in London. As they got up that morning, there was no food in the kitchen, not even a crumb in the cupboards. And he put plates out in front of all the children. One little girl said, Mr. Mueller, what's for breakfast this morning? His answer was, well, we're going to pray, and you'll see what our Heavenly Father will provide. So he began to pray, Lord, never seen the righteous forsaken, never seen their seed baking bread. You said you'll supply everything we need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Before he was even done praying, there was a knock on the door. <laughs> he opened the door. It was the baker from down the street. The baker said to him, Mr. Mueller, God woke me up at 3 o'clock this morning and told me that your orphans were going to need bread today, so I baked a bunch of extra bread and I brought it with me. Can you use this bread? Oh, yes, he said. And so he began to put the bread out on all the plates of the children, and just when he was putting out the last piece of bread on their plates, all of a sudden there was another knock at the door. He went to the door, he opened it. It was the milkman. The milkman said, Mr. Mueller, for some reason my milk cart broke down right in front of your orphanage. He said, all of the milk in my cart is going to spoil. Would you, is there any way that you could use all of this milk? Oh, yes, said Mr. Mueller. And he learned, and all of those young children from a young age learned that God hears and answers the prayers of his people. That when you need provision, all you have to do is call upon his name. But then all of a sudden, you're transported 
from the wilderness down into this deep, dark dungeon. And you find some people in that dungeon who are bound with chains. And they need to be forgiven and set free. This is what we see in verse 10 to 16. Those who sat in darkness in the shadow of death, bound in afflictions and irons because they rebelled against the word of the Lord and despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help them. But then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and he broke their chains in pieces. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he has broken the gates of bronze and he has cut the bars of iron into. Now, the people of God in the Old Testament, Old Testament, as they're reading those words, they couldn't help but think of their ancestors who had been carried away as captives into Babylon. But in God's time, in God's way, when they cried out to the Lord, he brought them out of that captivity and he brought them back to the promised land and they rebuilt their temple and there they were worshiping the Lord. They couldn't help but think of that because they knew that when you're bound and in affliction and you cry out to the Lord, he can bring you out of that. New Testament believers, as they're reading this part of the psalm, no doubt they couldn't help but think of the demon-possessed man from Gadara. When you read Mark chapter 5, Jesus and the disciples, they come ashore on the Sea of Galilee in the northeast corner in what's called Gadara. And when they did, all of a sudden, this man comes running out of the tombs possessed with many demons. And Jesus says to him, what is your name? And the man said, legion, for we are many. The legion was 6,000 Roman soldiers. I take the Bible literally. I see no good reason not to believe this man was literally possessed with 6,000 demons. And yet Jesus freed that man in a moment. You talk about a man bound by the power of the devil. And Jesus freed that man in a moment. And it should give all of us encouragement to pray and not stop praying for those who are bound by drugs and alcohol and pornography and so many things. Because Jesus can set any person free. Pastor Raul Reese over in Diamond Bar His son, Ryan, had gone out into the world for 19 years. He took every kind of drug you can ever imagine and was so bound by the devil. And yet after 19 years, all of a sudden, God brought him out of that dungeon. God brought him out of that darkness. God brought him out of that pit. And God can do it for any person because God is a God who hears and answers prayer. I love a wonderful hymn by Charles Wesley called Amazing Love. I especially like the third verse of that hymn. Charles Wesley wrote these words. He said, Long my imprisoned spirit lay fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke. The dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed the amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Wesley knew what God's people have always known, and that is God can set any person free, no matter how dark, no matter how difficult the situation. God can set anyone free. If there's anybody who knew that, it was a woman named Corey Ten Boom. She's the author of a must-read book called The Hiding Place. When Billy Graham read that book, he said, we got to make a movie out of it. And so there is a movie. You can go on YouTube and watch the movie. 
My wife and I try to read that book every year. It's such an impacting book. It's the story of the Ten Boom family. They lived in Holland during World War II. The Nazis were trying to exterminate the Jews, but they believed the Jews were God's people. And so they were doing everything they could to help them. And so in the living quarters above their watchmaking shop in Holland, they cut a hole in the wall. They made a secret compartment, a hiding place. And they would hide the Jews in there and then smuggle them out to safety and freedom. Well, someone told on them to the Gestapo and the Gestapo came and arrested all of them and put them in prison camps. And Corey and her sister Betsy were sent to a notorious prison camp called Ravensbrook. And the things that happened there are really beyond describing. And the most powerful scene in the movie, the most powerful section of the book is when Corey's sister Betsy is talking to her and she says to Corey, she says, one day we're going to get out. We're going to get out. And when we, go, when we do, when we do, we're going to tell people there is no pit that is so deep that God's love is not deeper still. There is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper still. And they both did get out. Betsy got out because God took her to heaven. <laughs> and Corey got out and she began to travel the world to tell people what we see here in Psalm 107. And that is when you're in a deep, dark situation, all you got to do is cry out to God because God's help is only a prayer away. Well, you start reading the psalm and boom, all of a sudden you're out in the desert. And then boom, all of a sudden you're in a dungeon. And now all of a sudden in verse 10 to 16, boom, you find yourself in a hospital room. And there you find sick people. They're near death. And they cry out to God in prayer. What happens? Well, verse 10, those who, who sat in, uh, I'm sorry, verse 17 uh, to 22. Verse 17, fools because of their transgression and because of their iniquities were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food. And they drew near to the gates of death. And they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word, and he healed them. And he delivered them out of their destructions. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with Rejoicing, the key line is in verse 20. Look there again. He sent his word and he healed them when they were sick and near death. And he cried out to God. The Lord heard their cry and he brought healing to them. The Old Testament saints, when they're reading this section of the psalm, they couldn't help but think of a king named Hezekiah. Hezekiah, in 2 Kings chapter 20, got really sick, sick, so sick, he was about to die. And the Lord sent Isaiah the prophet to Hezekiah, and he said, go tell Hezekiah, this is it. You're going to die. And so Isaiah the prophet came to Hezekiah and said, you're not going to recover from this. Just want you to know, God sent me to tell you that. And Isaiah, he left and started walking across the palace. And the Bible says that Hezekiah, he turned his face to the wall. And he began to cry out to God in prayer. Oh, Lord, please, please don't let me die. I know there's more for me. He began to cry out to God. And the Lord said, okay. And Isaiah, he's walking across the palace. And all of a sudden, the Lord speaks to him. Stop. Turn around. Go back and tell him he's going to be healed. And Isaiah turns around. He goes back to his bed. And the Lord healed Hezekiah. Because Hezekiah cried out to God New Testament believers, as they're reading this portion of the psalm, they couldn't help but think of how Jesus healed a centurion servant in Luke chapter 7. There was a centurion who built a synagogue. He was well known in Israel. And he had a servant that he loved so much, and this servant was sick and almost ready to die. And the centurion came to Jesus and said, Could you please heal my servant? And Jesus said, I'd be... I'd be glad to. Let, let me go to your house. And the centurion says, no, 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 you don't need to go there. Just say the word. 
Just say the word. And Jesus said his word and healed that person. And God can do that over and over. He did it in the Old Testament over and over. He did it in the New Testament and over and over in history. He's done it. I think of Pastor Raul Reese. Many years ago, he was diagnosed with leukemia. A lot of people don't know that. He was diagnosed with leukemia, and they only gave him a few days to live. And we began to pray. And a few days later, God raised him up out of that bed. I think of my wife, Colleen's grandmother. We used to call her Granny. And when she was, uh, when she was younger, she was diagnosed with cancer. And we just didn't feel it was time for God to take her home. And so we really began to pray. And she was reading her Bible one day. She just happened to be reading Psalm 118. Her eyes fell on verse 17, which says this. You will live and not die and declare the wonderful works of God. And God healed Granny and raised her up out of that bed. Years later, she got sick again, and it was her time to go. And so God gave her perfect healing. (laughs) Perfect healing. I remember praying for Pastor Chuck. Love Pastor Chuck so much. Lord, you can do anything. (laughs) But the Lord chose to give him that perfect healing, to take him home, to be with Jesus. And God is a God who heals and answers the prayer for healing. In Exodus 15 and verse 26, God says, I am the Lord who heals thee. In Hebrew it says, I am Jehovah Rapha, that beautiful name of God. How our God is a healing God. Well, all of a sudden you're in the hospital where God has answered prayer and you get transported out into the middle of the ocean. It starts in a desert, then in a dungeon, then all of a sudden you're in a hospital, and now all of a sudden you're out in the middle of the ocean. And verse 23 to verse 32, you find some sailors there in the worst storm of their life. And they cry out to God and he hears their prayer. Verse 23, oh, I like this. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters... They see the works of God and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises the stormy wind which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens. They go down to the depths. Their soul melts because of their trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man. Stop there. Can you see it? They go up and then they go down. And then they're going side to side. They're staggering back and forth. And these are experienced men who've been on the sea. But the storm is so terrible. It says here at verse 27, they are at their wits end. You ever been there? I've been there many times, believe me. You can be going through life and it can be smooth sailing. Everything's calm. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you find yourself in the worst storm of your life. And you feel like you're going up and down and from one side to the other. And you get to the place you're at your wit's end. You don't know what to do. And you start crying out, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, I I tried this. I tried that. It didn't work. I talked to this person and it didn't work. I talked to that person, and it didn't work. God, I even Googled it, and I couldn't find the answer there. What do you do? You cry out to the Lord. They're at their wit's end. What do you do when you're at your wit's end in the worst storm of your life? Verse 28, they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm so that they, uh, the waves are still. Then they are glad because they are are quiet, so he guides them to their desired haven. All that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the assembly of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. In other words, when God hears your cry in the middle of the storm, tell somebody. It's testimony time. You tell how the Lord brought you out of that storm. Storms? Oh, God's people in the Old Testament, Old Testament saints, They couldn't help but read this portion of the psalm and not think of Job. There he was on the sea of life, everything so wonderful. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you talk about the worst storm ever. All of his children are killed in one day. And then even his wife says, turn against God. And he says, no, I'm not going to do that. 
He didn't understand why he had to go through the storm he was going through. But as he put his hope and his trust in God, God brought him out of that storm and blessed him at the end even more than he did at the beginning. Oh, listen to me. New Testament believers, when they're reading this portion of the psalm, they couldn't help but think of Jesus on the Sea of Galilee. And there Jesus is in the back of the boat. He's asleep. And they come into this terrible storm and the disciples wake Jesus up. Help us, help us, help us, help us. The Bible says Jesus gets up. He looks at that storm and says, peace, be still. And I like this. The Bible says, immediately there was a call. In other words, in the original, in Greek, it means this. Instantly it was flat. You know, when our boys were young, we used to get in the pool, and we used to try to, you know, take the boogie boards and get all these waves going, and then we would stop and see how long it would take for the waves to slow down. Jesus says, peace, and it was like a sheet of glass instantly. And Jesus can do that. He gives a peace that the world doesn't give. He gives a peace that passes all understanding. He will keep you in perfect peace as you look to and you stay your mind upon him. Oh, I tell you, whether you're in the wilderness, God answers prayer. Whether you're in the dungeon, God answers prayer. Whether you're in the hospital, God answers prayer. Whether you're in the worst storm of your life, God answers prayer. But then, in verse 33 to 42, it's as if the psalmist says, no matter what circumstance or situation you're in, God will answer your prayer. No matter what circumstance or situation, if you cry out to him, he can turn the whole thing around in just a moment. Just take some moment for him. Look at verse 33 to 42. Verse 33, he turns the rivers into a wilderness, the water springs into dry ground, a fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of those who dwell. See, that's what happened to the land of Israel because of their sin. They're all blessed by God, and all of a sudden, things were not so good. And why did God do that? To get them to look to Him. To get them to cry out to Him. So what happened? Verse 35, He turns the wilderness into pools of water. He turns the dry land into water springs. He makes the hungry dwell that they may establish your city for a dwelling place and sow fields and plant vineyards that they may yield a fruitful harvest. He also blesses them and they multiply greatly. And he does not let their cattle decrease when they are diminished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow. He pours contempt on princes, causes the princes to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. But he sets the poor. He rescues the poor and puts them on high, far from affliction. And he makes their families like a flock. The righteous see it and rejoice and all iniquity stops its mouth. What's the point of verse 33 to 42? No matter where you are, you cry out to God. He can turn it around in a moment. All it takes is the prayer of faith, reaching out to God in prayer. So this psalm, this beautiful, wonderful psalm, ends with this verse, verse 43. Whoever is wise will observe these things and they will understand the loving kindness, the mercy of the Lord. Whoever is wise will observe these things. What things? The, whoever is a wise person. Here, here's how you can tell a wise person. A wise person knows that God hears and answers prayer. A wise person knows that when you're out in the wilderness and you need provision, if you cry out to God, he'll hear and answer that prayer. A wise person knows that when someone's in a deep, dark dungeon and they're bound by sin and evil, no pit is so deep that God's love is not deeper still. A wise person knows that. A wise person knows that when someone's in the hospital, that God can hear and answer their prayer. Maybe God's will is to take that person and give them perfect healing. We leave that in the hands of the Lord. But we pray because we know our God's very name is Jehovah Rapha. 
And a wise person knows that when you find yourself in the middle of the worst storm of your life, it was calm just a moment ago. It was calm last week, and now all of a sudden, there are stormy waves all around, and I'm just going this way and that way and the other way and up and down, and I don't know what to do. I'm at my wit's end. A wise person knows when you're in that place. Look to the Lord. Cry out to God, help me, Lord. Help me. Because when you do, he can give you that peace that passes all understanding. As I was praying about what to share with all of you this morning, I felt so strongly, even very early this morning when I was sitting at my desk praying, the Bible says that we ought to pray always and not faint. We ought to pray and not lose heart, to pray and keep on praying. And the Lord just whispered in my heart, go out there to Riverside, remind all those precious people, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying no matter what circumstance or situation, because God is a God who hears and answers prayer that no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what situation you're in, God's help is only a prayer way. There is no more unforgettable illustration of that. There is no more dramatic illustration of that that I've ever heard of than the true story of a woman named Janelle McMillan. It's found in a great book called Breakthrough Prayer. The book was written by Jim Simbola, the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York. And in that book, he includes the true story of Janelle McMillan. And if there's any story that will encourage you this morning, that no matter who you are and where you are, no matter what's going on in your life, God hears and answers prayer. It's the story of Janelle McMillan. She writes, The morning of September 11, 2001, began for me like many others. I got to work a little after 8 a.m. and rode the elevator up to the 64th floor of the North Tower of the World Trade Center where I worked. I was making small talk with a co-worker when I heard a loud explosion. I had no idea that American Airlines Flight 11 had just slammed into the building. A few moments later, the building began swaying and rocking. Oh my God, I said, the building's going down. Knowing we had to leave, we headed to stairway B. As we ran down together, I kept counting the stairs. 63, 62, 61, 60, 59, 58, 57, 56. And as we were going down the stairs, we could see the firefighters going up the stairs. When we reached the 13th floor, all of a sudden, the whole building just went boom. Everything went black. The building started to collapse. 110 floors were coming down on top of us. Falling concrete and debris smashed me down onto my knees, and my mouth was filled with grit and dust. It was surreal, like a horrible dream. There was nothing we could do and nowhere we could go. We were being buried alive, and the sound of it was deafening. Then as suddenly as it started, it stopped. And things got quiet, really quiet. My mind started racing. I thought of my husband, my children, my family, and how I would never see them again. So all alone, in the dark, and buried under all that rubble, I began to pray. I begin to pray. Oh, God, help me. Help me. Please let me live. Please, God, help them find me. The minutes seemed like hours, and the hours seemed like days. 
But then I heard the sound of rescue workers above me. I began crying out, help me, help me, help me. Finally, someone yelled back, hello, hello, is somebody in there? Yes, I said, my name is Janelle, help me. By now I could see a bit of daylight through a crack above me, so I stuck my hand up through the crack. Can you see my hand, I said, can you see my hand? All of a sudden, someone grabbed a hold of my hand. Janelle, I've got you, you're going to be all right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, I prayed. It had been 27 hours since the buildings collapsed. And I, Janelle McMillan, was the last survivor to be pulled out of the wreckage that had once been the World Trade Center Towers. I spent weeks in the hospital recovering. The doctor said I'd never walk again, but I do. And I am living proof that God's help is only a prayer away. That wherever you are and that whoever you are, if you cry out to God, he will hear and answer your prayer. Well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for this wonderful psalm we have studied together this morning. Lord, as we've been studying, no doubt, you've been speaking to so many of us who are here. We as your people, as we've gathered together today, all of us come with circumstances, situations in which we need your help. And Lord, I pray right now, as we just look to heaven, that you would come and minister to your people. That you would be so faithful to do what you have done in every circumstance, every situation, every place. Oh, you who hear prayer. Oh, you who answer prayer.